My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Kramer. Welcome to Mayor Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'd be one to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Welcome to the twilight of the index funds. I think that's the great untold story of this market. It played out again today as the Dow lost 445 points. The S&P fell 2.2%. NASDAQ declined 1.44%. For years, lots of very smart people, graybeards, told us that index funds were really the best, if not only, way to invest. Instead of trying to beat the market, they argued that you should just buy a cheap index fund that mirrors the market like the S&P 500. But sometimes trying to mirror the market is a bad strategy. Take the S&P 500. You have to own so many have-nots along with the haves during this this pandemic. It's changed everything that at best... Now, with the coronavirus, you're betting on mediocrity. Why would you want to own an index with lots of exposure to really troubled industries like oil and gas, travel and leisure, the financials, retail? Suddenly, stock picking seems a lot more appealing. I know the index fund orthodoxy will never truly be defeated. There's a kernel of truth in it. For many people, people who don't have the time or the inclination or do their own homework or can't own individual stocks like me, index funds will always be the best way to invest. But man, in this environment where you can't go out and spend money without fear, even if you just got a $1,200 check from the government, it's not stone all 500 stocks in the S&P. You don't have to be a genius to know that the cruise lines here are, let's say, untouchable. What about the winners, though? What's worth owning in this shelter-in-place economy? Well, it turns out not a lot of the S&P, but we know which ones. So let me give you my stay-at-home buy list, all right? First, there's nothing to do. Doesn't every day feel like Tuesday to you? Doesn't it? In this environment, you want as much entertainment as you can get. There's no sports, but there is Netflix, which is uh, on fire with this Tiger King. Somebody came up at the president's show, the press conference the other day. If the pandemic doesn't calm, they may have trouble making new content. But right now, the momentum is here based on prospective signups, and it's extraordinary. Then there are the video games. Activision Blizzard has some hot titles. Take two interaction. Now, that company missed its last quarter. CEO Strauss only came here, and Strauss committed to making sure that didn't happen again. I like that. No NBA playoffs? How about NBA 2K playoffs? Plus, Take-Two still has Grand Theft Auto, the biggest video game, if not entertainment franchise of all time. They just signed a deal with the NFL to make some non-simulation games, which is good news, even as I have no idea what a non-simulation game is, because I'm getting more and more worried there might not be a season. These new games require powerful hardware. NVIDIA and AMD make the best graphics chips. Both stocks have been roaring. Oh, and the Chinese government may finally be ready to bless NVIDIA's acquisition of Mellanox, which will give them a lot of edge to the red-hot area of edge computing. And by the way, it'll move their stock out the numbers will go way up the moment that that deal closes. Meanwhile, AMD just rolled out some new processors that seem to put them ahead of Intel for a variety of uses. What else is new? I think that they both work here. Uh, once again, AMD's up. Have you seen that? That thing's a horse. Next up, I wouldn't be doing my job, of course, if I didn't mention Amazon. This is the ultimate shelter-in-place stock, which is why it hit an all-time high today. Every time someone something forces stores to close, Amazon picks up new customers. And COVID-19... 
the storm of the century. Those people stick with Amazon because it's so darn convenient and it's inexpensive. Now we're, re- we're realizing that we can buy things online that we used to get regularly from the drugstore. You put your shaving cream, your nutritional supplements, even your toothpaste on auto delivery, and you never have to think about it again. I love it. Plus, the web services division dominates the cloud infrastructure space, something we need more of now than ever because everyone's online. And by the way, the retailers are still flocking to them even though they compete. That's right. They compete with each other. What else? People are ordering a lot of delivery, but they're not too keen on most restaurants because they want contactless delivery. Well, that's Domino's. They figured that out in China. I bet they take this opportunity to wipe out many of their mom and pop competitors. I know it's disappointing if you like variety in your pizza. Though I have to admit that I like their tomato pie with banana peppers. We know liquor sales are way up. The numbers of Constellation brands, they were extraordinary. Sure, there are some worries about whether Mexico will make beer an essential industry. Right now, Amwell is really giving everybody a hard time. But Constellation assures us they won't be running out of Modelo or Corona. And don't forget what day is coming up. Sank on a mile. I also think the new spike seltzer could be a very big hit in a warm summer. Added bonus, if you think the November elections will be a Democratic sweep, then you're going to bet they're going to legalize marijuana, also known as cannabis on Wall Street. Constellation owns a big chunk of canopy growth, which already has lots of weed, drinks, edibles ready for sale in Canada. Apparently, they taste well. What would I know? Where will people spend their $1,200 checks for the government? I think they're going to end up at Dollar General. Well, then we're going to go to Walmart and, of course, to Costco. Some of the few retailers that actually work here because they carry all the essentials and the prices are so darn low. We know people are stocking up their pantry with food and snacks. We just got some data, some retail data that shows that Campbell's Soup is doing fabulously. I have preferred Mondelez or PepsiCo for snacking. The latter is Frito-Lay. We recently heard from ConAgra. Remember they told us that the pantry aisle is making a big comeback? They're also killing it in frozen foods. I should mention that uh, Hormel had a very good quarter, and people keep spicing things up with McCormick. I cook with McCormick stuff because I don't really know how to cook, but I know to put it on. How about the home office side of the equation? Like it or not, this is the Zoom of video economy. I know they've taken some security hits, and we had them on this week. I, look, their platform has become indispensable. It doesn't have to be for national security. I mean, for instance, I cannot wait till Sunday. You know why? Because Sunday noon is our boozy brunch enabled by Zoom. Now, I was viciously overserved last Sunday, even though I'm living alone. Roku just reported a great quarter. Their platform is the best way to watch all of your favorite streaming services on your TV. I'm on Roku constantly. We need them now more than ever. They were created for this moment. Okay, now let's take a step back and look at what's working outside the home. First, of course, Tesla. The analysts are tripping over each other and recommend this one. Goldman upgraded just today. Big winner in the EV space. I think they're missing the mark. Tesla's simply a rare winner and a sea of losers. It's the auto slash technology stock that's safe to own here. Now, if you're starved for income but worry about the safety of the dividend, then look to the companies that just boosted their payouts. We saw some nice dividend boosts yesterday from J&J and Procter & Gamble. Just tonight, Costco. More on those later. Next up, China's making a comeback. And you know what? Alibaba, it's a must-buy. Chinese Amazon doing incredibly well here, and the stock simply refuses to quit. China's open for business, but people are still wary, so they're going to Alibaba. I hope they stop going to wet markets. 
It's the only Chinese stock I'm recommending. It's the only from China I'm recommending, for that matter. There are a bunch of peripheral names, too. I like Chewy, which lets you order pet food online. The box is there. I love it. Don't have to do a thing. Same thing with Peloton, although my wife's still got the clothes hanging on it. What do I know? She moved out to the Hamptons a long time ago. Lulu's on fire. They've nosed out Nike to become my favorite apparel company. Finally, the cybersecurity companies have become a lot more essential in a world where people are working from the less secure computers at home, as we know from, from uh, Zoom bombing. Here's, some, here's three of them that I like. I like Okta, Kramer family fave there. Zscaler, a favorite of, a favorite of Heather Gaines, who's uh, in the control room tonight, and CrowdStrike. Maybe I'll put an acronym together for these shelter-in-place winners. Maybe go to at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Yes, I'm soliciting people. Be chill. At Jim Kramer on Twitter and give me some more names that can work in this environment so I can make up not an acronym like FANG, which I created and everybody stole, but an entire sentence out of these stocks. I promise to have it by Monday because I got a lot of time to kill because there's nothing to do. The bottom line, rule number one for the new abnormal is that you stick with the winners and you leave the raggedy rest to the others. Kim in Missouri. Kim. Booyah from the show me state. All right. What's going on? I'm at a 42% losing position on my FedEx holdings. Even if they had a recently announced $140 a share target, I will still not be back to even. Should I sell my position no, and get into something no, with a greater No, 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 though, I'll, I'll be candid. I, but no, like I'm lying on the other time. What does that mean? I'll be candid. Um, I'll be truthful. FedEx is not as good as United Parcel. And I'll tell you why. Because there's a person who runs United Parcel. Her name is Carol Tomei. And she is a genius. So I would say sell FedEx and buy United Parcel. I need to go to Chris in Florida. Chris. Hey, Chris. Or hey, Jim. No, no you're Chris. I'm Jim. That's all right. Often, often confused. What's up? <laughs> hey, I have a question on Shake Shack. What are your thoughts on them in the future, how they're doing uh, frozen uh, cook-at-home burgers and drive Do You think they're going to come out on top after all this? No, no. In the last quarter, the same store sales weren't that good. You know, I look in the in the food site. Food's really hard right now. I like Domino's because they deliver, and I like Wingstop. And I have to bet long-term on McDonald's because of that unbelievable balance sheet. But remember, restaurants, whoa, let's stay away. Even Darden had to cut the dividend. Let's go to Alex in Florida, please. Alex. Hey, Jim, how are you? So I have a question about Stitch Fix. I purchased the stock when it was a little over $11, and it's just about 16 yeah. um, Do you think the stock has the capability of hitting its 52-week high? I didn't like that last quarter. Days? Now, a lot of it is just the kind of the malaise, as Jimmy Carr would say, that is brought on by the pandemic. Um, if 15, I don't know if it goes bounce, if it bounces to 17. I mean, I think it bounces, but I'm watching Slack bounce tonight. I, I, I think you're going to have to move it because it's not a it's I don't want to say it's a covid stock. That sounds really just kind of necrological, you know, but it's it's not something that that is the right thing in a pandemic. All right. All right it's a new world. I need you to stick to the stocks that are doing the things that work during a period of a pandemic because it's very different from the rest of the S&P 500 on Mad Money tonight. As regulators weigh historic oil cuts, and oil keeps going down, 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 although it might stabilize here, I'm going to talk to the CEO of Parsley Energy, P.E. She always pushing for limiting production. Wow. Then in this horrible new world where we have to worry about so many companies' dividends, some are bucking the trend and raising theirs. I'm more free up a list and telling you which to consider. And as the coronavirus is pushing auto dealers to embrace online sales, is it worth considering a company like Carvana? I've got the CEO. So stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Jim, you were soliciting acronyms on Twitter. I, yes. I liked Man Cave uh, from Microsoft, Man- Amazon, Man NVIDIA, oh. Comcast, AMD, Verizon, Electronic Arts. Um, That's brilliant. And, you know, we Man talked Cave. about Amazon. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. The price of oil stays here, down 20 bucks. You know what's going to happen? We're going to lose a lot of oil jobs. A few days ago, OPEC and Russia agreed to cut production by 9.7 million barrels a day. It did nothing. There's just too much oil around, not enough demand. So maybe it's time to think outside the box. Matt Gallagher, the 37-year-old CEO of Parsley Energy, one of the most forward-thinking, most disciplined players in the industry, has a creative idea. He wants the Texas Commission that controls the oil biz to impose statewide production cuts. You might say it's antithetical to free enterprise, but I think it's worth considering. Why should the OPEC nations be the only ones with an oil cartel? If it's a choice between state-mandated production cuts or widespread bankruptcies, oh, I think it might be worth doing. Don't take it from me. Let's hear from Matt Gallery, the CEO of Parsley Energy. Find out why a government-mandated cap on oil production might be the way to go forward here. Mr. Gallagher, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, great to be back. Thank you for having me. Great to be on Mad Money. Thank you, Matt. All right, curbing production at a time when there is a massive oversupply in the oil markets, that can only help. How can that hurt? That's right, Jim, and and we need solutions across the globe. We saw OPEC take a stab at it, 9.7 million barrels a day. They were, of course, in a price war, and then they turned around uh, abrupt face and have cut production 9.7 million barrels, but it's not enough. Of course, course, in this global pandemic, we have demand down close to 30 million barrels a day. That's the largest demand shock this industry has ever seen. We need to pitch in everywhere we can. Operators need to pitch in. We're doing our part at the parsley level. We've cut forward-looking CapEx 66%. We need to see those broad announcements across the board. You're seeing on the tune of 50% announced across the board to date. Uh, But states need to pitch in. If Texas were a country, it would be the third largest producing country on the planet. It needs to start with Texas. Uh, The Railroad Commission did a great job hosting a 10-hour-long hearing to hear both sides of the argument for proration and taking the lead for the country yesterday. Now, let's just understand there are not not every oil company is in favor of this. You want to prorate. Uh, Exxon came out against you. I'm sure other producers, too. Sure. Uh, Through the course of about 10 hours of testimony, you heard a lot from both sides, varying degrees of opinions. Everybody agrees we want a healthy domestic energy industry on the other side of this. My stance is if we don't do something quickly in the face of a pandemic, you are going to cripple this domestic industry on the other side. And not just the operators. Uh, there's only six operators, by the way, that can produce uh, enough production from their currently producing wells to pay off their debt in the next, uh, uh, without any additional drilling. We're one of those six. So this isn't about us. This is about the service sector, 360,000 jobs just in the state of Texas, close to a million jobs across the country supported in the oil and gas sector and the service sector. If those companies are shut down for two, three months, 
they will not come back and we will be reliant on domestic imports again like we were before the last decade. So it's about the jobs in the American energy sector. The sooner that states can put a volume out there that they would be prorating to, the quicker that the global supply demand imbalance will get back on track and we can bring our industry back online. Well, so Matt, why doesn't the president just write checks to everybody not to produce? Well, that's one thing uh, that the country is also, or that the industry has also been aligned on. We really like to do what we can uh, ourselves first. We are not part of the recent uh, stimulus package, the two, just over $2 trillion of stimulus. Uh, we did not get $3 billion of support uh, for the SPR. Uh, you are seeing some ideas floated out there. I do think we need to really constructively look at all ideas. If if we are paid to, you know, the best storage tank on the planet is the one Mother Nature built uh, millions of years ago, and those are our reservoirs. So it's a creative solution to think about keeping it in the ground uh, and some support payments uh, while we keep it in the ground. It's been done in the agriculture industry for decades. So it uh, just now hearing about it would be part of a solution that, that we do need to look at. I mean, in the end, when you consider the job loss and more importantly, the na- the national security that you guys give us, it seems like it's a very cheap price to pay versus building, I don't know, 10 aircraft carriers, 10 submarines uh, and paying off people in the Middle East. I mean, it is the most natural way to give basically what would have been foreign aid to American aid. That's right. And not to mention risking our sons and daughters lives. Uh, you saw the president ask the question at his White House meeting. We've spent seven trillion dollars in the Middle East uh, and what for. And here we have the domestic energy renaissance providing north of 13 million barrels a day. Of course, that's going on decline now. We have to match demand. Uh, but but we need a strong industry to thrive so we can support our own demand here in the country. I think it is very important to point out you had increased quarterly dividend. You had generated free cash flow in the second half of 2019. You are not some person who's looking for a bailout. No, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, we uh, we want to adhere to all the contracts, all our partnerships that we have uh, in this 10 hours of testimonies. People question our, our intent uh, and others' intents to this. We have a total of probably $26 million of rig contracts and $5 million of, of deficiency payments on contract pipe volumes that we would be willingly paying throughout the rest of the year. We are not uh, fighting this for a $30 million charge. We are fighting this for the strength of the American oil and gas sector. Last question. Are you finding uh, people who have come forward and said they want to cut flaring the way that you did when you were on our show last time? It, it was a bigger piece of the discussion yesterday. I do think they're two separate topics, uh, but these are things that actually work together. Uh, if you cut the oil production, you're going to cut the associated gas production and the flaring is going to come down as well. I think if they, uh, if the commissioners constructively look at, uh, at not allowing flaring, you're going to, you're going to moderate the production, uh, even more. So I think, I think it's a great time where we can actually get in front and do some good things for the environment at the same time realigning uh, the supply demand imbalance. Right, well, I welcome any oil company that disagrees with Matt to please come on air. I'd love to hear from you because I think the way he says is filled with common sense. That's Matt Gallagher, CEO of Parsley Energy. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Jim. Remember what I said. If you want to own an oil company, Parsley is one of the ones that you can own because it's conservative. It re- increases its dividend. It's got great acreage and it's got real smart management. May have money's back after the break.
After the rude awakening of today's hideous retail sales numbers, we need to talk about safe havens. Because even if we've bottomed, this market's likely to remain pretty darn turbulent. So what gives you safety in a volatile environment? I'll tell you what it does. House of pleasure. Dividends. There's just one problem. With a few notable exceptions, we don't have a great read on which dividends will have to be cut because of the pandemic and which ones are safe. So what are the exceptions? They're the companies that just raise their dividends. If you up your dividend, well, that's positive, right? If management is confident enough to boost their payout in this difficult environment, it's highly unlikely that they'll have to cut it anytime soon. You don't raise your dividend in one quarter just to cut it in the next. So let's take Johnson & Johnson, the brothers Johnson. A stock I like so much that we learned from my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club, where I spoke lovingly about it in our club call this, this afternoon. Yesterday morning, J&J reported a surprisingly strong quarter with a 6% dividend hike. As a healthcare conglomerate, you'd think this company would be a textbook recession play, just the most obvious kind of stock to buy during a recession. But this pandemic is incredible. It is even causing a slowdown with pharma, a slowdown like unlike any other. See, people were very worried about J&J's medical device business because it's, the, it, it's in the areas under lockdown. All kinds of non-urgent surgeries and knee replacements. Uh, they're being delayed because this is the worst possible time to be in the hospital recuperating. Despite those fears, J&J posted a monster top and bottom line beat, double-digit growth in their pharma and consumer health divisions, more than offsetting the medical device weaknesses. By the way, I mean, Listerine, which my wife buys, she bought like huge bottles of it, telling me this is safe. Sales were blowout. History. Of course, it wasn't perfect. Management had to cut the four-year forecast because of the medical device hit. But the stock still soared nearly 5% yesterday. Normally, money managers hate it when a company slashes its guidance, but these aren't normal times. Most companies that we've heard from so far, they have simply withdrawn their full-year forecast because the pandemic makes it impossible to predict the future with, that, with any kind of close accuracy. J&J didn't do that. They told you they expect to earn $750 to $790 per share. Uh, Wall Street was hoping for $8.27. Okay, not great. But it gives us something that we crave. It gives us certainty. J&J thinks they can quantify the damage of their business from COVID-19. The consumer and pharma division should keep doing just fine. As for the currently troubled medical device business, management expects it to stabilize in the third quarter, start rebounding in the fourth quarter. It makes sense. I mean, right now, people are postponing any procedures they can. But there's only so long you can put off put it, getting a new hip. Plus, don't forget, J&J is working on a COVID-19 vaccine, as we talked about. Why should we believe management... I think we know their confidence is real because otherwise they wouldn't have put through that 6% dividend boost. This is the kind of thing we used to take for granted around here. Yeah, it was like 6%. Okay, not anymore. In a post-coronavirus world where so many companies are cutting or suspending their payouts, J&J's was a fabulous sign of strength based on the slew of billion-dollar franchises growing double digits. It means you can rely on that stock's 2.74% yield to protect you if we get hit with another downfall. I know, 2.74% may not sound like much, but come on. 30-year treasuries, 1.3%. J&J, AAA balance sheet. I prefer J&J's balance sheet. To the federal governments. It's not just J&J. Last night, P&G, Procter & Gamble, cleared its throat and announced the same darn thing. A 6% dividend boost. J&J announced a dividend boost at the beginning of the press release before they even gave you the earnings. Procter front-ran its own earnings. The consumer packaged goods kingpin had already seen its stock surge from 94 at last month's lows to 121 yesterday. Thanks to the good news on the dividend front, it was able to defy the downward pull of the averages and eke out a small gain today, too. As these uh, levels, the stock is a 2.61% yield. Again, much better than treasuries. 
trusted brands. Procter makes Old Spice. I use Old Spice because my grandfather used it. I'm not kidding. It's the actual ad. And it's me, too. Febreze. Mr. Clean. Gillette. I use Gillette. Bounty. Charmin. I'm like every one of these. And many other beloved brands. These businesses are either immune to a slowing economy or they're actually benefiting from the coronavirus outbreak. Think about all the consumer toilet papers flying off the shelf. How about the paper towels? I think that's more than enough to offset any hit to the beauty and grooming brands, which admittedly are less of a priority under a lockdown. Procter was planning to report next Tuesday, but along with the dividend boost, they moved up the date of their earnings release. Now it's coming on Friday. Okay, I'm not really sure what that means, but people don't usually bring up their earnings in order to be able to have an opportunity to share bad news. I believe the dividend hike is a sign of strength. Good. Remember, we care about these dividend hikes because they're a way of separating the wheat from the chaff. Companies that are in worse shape might hold their dividends steady to keep up appearances, but they're not going to raise the payout when they need to be conserving. Think of it as the Saul Goodman guarantee, isn't it? It's all good, man. If you haven't been watching Better Call Saul, maybe it's you know one of these weekends where, you're, where it feels like every day is Tuesday. That's your chance. I love that line. All right, who else belongs to this elite club of coronavirus dividend aristocrats? I can think of a couple that hiked their dividends in late February after the breakdown before we go on into lockdown. Versus Prologis. The best of breed logistics real estate investment trust we just had had on. Think of ProLogis as an e-commerce facilitator because that's exactly what the warehouses do. On February 20th, the company put through a 9% dividend boost, which sent in stock to 99 bucks. Then the whole market rolled over, took ProLogis down to 59 and changed just a few weeks ago. Since then, the stocks rebounded all the way back to 86 and changed. At these levels, it sports a 2.68% yield. We spoke to CEO Hamid Mogadam just a little over a week ago. He told such a compelling story. Think of it as an Amazon with a dividend. Well, you know, it's got other stuff, but you know what I mean. Turns out ProLogis has seen strong leasing activity over the past six weeks. In a world where e-commerce has become the only safe way to shop, well, this is how you do it. ProLogis screaming by. I got another one for you. I don't know about you, but it dominates. It dominates my little area of the sink. It's called Colgate-Palmolive. It's another heavy hitter in the consumer package good space. March 11th, Colgate raised its quarterly dividend from a penny from 43 to 44. Okay, not that much. But again, matters is a sign of confidence. As the market kept rolling over and the stock got hammered down to the high 50s, we started buying for the travel trust. Got a 20% gain. We're not done. I like Colgate's 2.4% yield. It's a terrific turnaround story. Emerging market's doing well. But I'd like it even more into weakness. All right, how about another one that we have been a fan of for a long time called American Tower? Major cell phone tower real estate investment trust put through a 7% dividend boost on March 13th. Well, AMT isn't my favorite player in the space anymore. I prefer Crown Castle. you got to respect the confidence AMT shows. So one of the stocks rallied from 174 at its lows last month to 247. At these levels, it only has a 1.75% yield. But the wireless business should be immunized against a recession. I like this one on the weakness. It's also a 5G play. Finally, do not forget... One of this is the one that I'm kicking myself that I got all uh, tangled up in Dollar Tree because my dad and I like to go to Dollar Tree. It's Dollar General. This is the best run dollar store chain in the country. When the company reported a strong quarter of March 12th, management gave you robust guidance, put through a 12.5 percent dividend boost. Talk about confidence. Now, I wouldn't recommend this one as a dividend stock. It only yields 0.8%. But with this move, Dollar General told us it can survive and even thrive in a tough environment, especially with those government checks in the mail. Not that I'll get one, but that's all right. It's a high-quality problem not to get one. All right, this is uh, within the spitting distance of its all-time highs. Oh, and just this evening, Uber, Kramer, Fave, and Charitable Trust holding Costco raised its dividend by 7.7%. Superb. 
The bottom line, if you want to know which companies can weather the, the, the coronavirus storm, look for the ones that are boosting their dividends. And the most obvious ones are J&J and Procter & Gamble. But let's think Prologis, Colgate-Palmol, American Tower, Dollar General, and yes, Costco. You know what? I buy these two especially right here. Greg in Tennessee. Greg. Hi, Jim. I got a big hillbilly booyah for you, my friend. Well, there you go. I like that. We haven't had one of those lately around here. What's going on? I've got to say that Squawk, Halftime, and Matt are must-see TV, and I'm a big fan of the week that was. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we got to get back in that game in halftime. Well, I saw my buddy Wapner in the hall today. You know, we do all this uh, physical distancing. We're not allowed to come in. He and I have to stay 100 yards apart. We're like, you know, because he's a Redskins fan and I'm an Eagle fan. What's he's going on? That's great, too. I like him, too. Yeah, he's good. He's re- funny. His, his family's nice. I remember, nice. right, you like Procter & Gamble. Oh, yeah. And uh, I have Procter, or I'm sorry, I've got Kimberly Clark as a main position in the Sleep Well at Night stock. They make Cottonelle Viva and Huggies and all this home stuff. And it's got a good yield, and I wanted to know if you had any love for Call KM, me a huge fan. They haven't been on the show lately. That's hurt my feelings, but I can accept it. It's down $2.42, 137 What does that say to me? Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Greg's got horse sense. James in Kansas. We hardly ever get any Kansas. That's wrong. James. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. With all the speculation that many energy sector companies will not survive this downturn, do you believe Occidental Petroleum will survive? Wow. Well, there's only, what, a half dozen, Matt Gallagher tells us, half dozen companies that really kind of making their money. Um, Occidental, I saw that they issued uh, stock for dividend to Warren Buffett, registered the shares. Uh, Do I think Oxy will survive? Not in this form, though. I don't think so. They bought Anadarko. Uh, it was a blunder. But I'm Jimmy Chill now. I'm just going to say it was ill-advised. This is a tough climate. But if you want to know what companies are weathering the storm, look at the companies raising their dividends. Now, much more mad money at U.S. auto sales are expected to crater 80% this month compared with expectations before the pandemic. And what does that mean for e-commerce platform Carvana? I've got the CEO. Then COVID-19 isn't invisible. I'll tell you which stocks you should consider once we make it to the other side. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with J&J and Proctor and stay with Kramer. understand the scale of the damage from the lockdown, well, we need to hear from companies that are really right in the blast zone. I'm talking about companies like Carvana. For the outbreak, these guys were using the web to disrupt the used car business. They let you buy a car online and give you free delivery with seven-day return policy. Or you can pick it up from one of their giant car vending machines. When the virus hit and we went into quarantine, Carvana stock plummeted from 115 to 22. Investors sold first and then asked questions later. Brutal decline, kind of decline that typically happens over the course of years when momentum stocks lose their mojo, not days. Since then, though, Carvana's come roaring back as the company raised capital via secondary offering and rolled out a new touchless delivery program. Plus, some investors are looking at the bright side. If you have to buy a car right now, Carvana's the safest way to do it. And maybe this virus will help us, you know, maybe make us less will- willing to rely on public transportation. 
It's easy to get the virus in public transportation than in your own car. That's maybe why the stock's back up over 71, even after it got hammered today down 15%. We want to know more about this story, so let's check in with Ernie Garcia III. He's the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Carvana. He had a better sense of how his company's holding up during this difficult period. Mr. Garcia, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Mr. Kramer. Thanks for having me. All right, so Ernie, the uh, Commerce Department gave some numbers today, and they talked about spending on cars and car parts fell by more than 25% in March. Uh, the St. Louis Fed is talking about dramatic declines uh, from auto, uh, by auto dealers. H- how are you guys holding up? So I think this has been a tough situation on everyone. I think um, this came on incredibly fast. And as people went in and you know, started worrying about their health and being locked down, obviously transaction volume slowed down a lot. So I think across the industry, depending on you know what numbers you're looking at and what company you're talking about, I think in the second half of March, many companies were down 50 to even up to 85 uh, percent, the companies that were selling cars. We've held up significantly better than that, um, but there's no doubt this had a big impact uh, across the board, across our industry and other industries as well. Okay, so how about the uh, the discounts that you're giving right now? Because they it's a pretty substantial uh, leap of faith to give people credit when we see from Wells Fargo at all that that credit is hard to come by and not everybody's paying back. Sure. So I I think there's no doubt about that. I think, you know, we just started rolling out a promotion for our customers uh, in the last week, actually, that allows them to take up to 90 days to make their first payment. I think, you know, the goal of that is to recognize the situation. Many people are going through a very difficult financial time and try to have an offering for them that that works in this difficult moment. Um, At the same time, we obviously have to worry about credit, as you pointed out. I think, uh, you know, the good news there is credit is, I think, toughest when you head into a difficult time. I think once you're in a difficult time and we've seen, you know, 16 and a half million layoffs, which is obviously a horrible, horrible number. Um, those that do have a job today are probably a little bit stronger than those uh, you know, were months before. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're making those offers to customers today. We feel confident about those offers and we're trying to do the best we can to be there for our customers in this difficult time. Do you think that the checks, uh, the little bit more than thousand dollar checks that are being sent out now could help Carvana? I think it could. I think most importantly, I hope it helps all the people out there that are going through a difficult time because I I do just think this came on so quick and so strong. And and I think people are you know, worried from a health perspective and they're worried about their financial health. And I think this money hopefully is going to help people, um, you know, bridge through this difficult time. But I I, I do think in general, uh, when people get, you know, uh, big sums of money from the government, whether it's tax season or now in this stimulus, uh, that generally does drive some large ticket purchases. So uh, I I think there is a a chance that'll be a positive for us. So let me tell you a story and and maybe you can help me here. I'm about to tell you a story, but the conclusion is I want to know how you really how you can get profitable. Uh, my wife wanted to buy a car. So I said, you want to try Carvana. So she said, All right, I'll try Carvana. I didn't tell her. I knew you never told her. Something. She tried it. They brought the car right to her. And she said, the car's too big. I don't want it. And they said, OK. And they took it back. And I'm like, holy cow. I mean, it, they took it back. I mean, I couldn't believe it. But then I said, oh, my God, I feel bad. How does Ernie make money? He's just got, he just got beat by, by Lisa. Uh, well, what do you do? I mean, it's such a good service. Well, please tell Lisa she owes us a couple hundred bucks for that pickup. No, I think uh, what, what we hope is that's part of the offering, right? I mean, when a customer's buying a car sight unseen, we have to make sure it's very easy for them to return it if it's not perfect for them. That cost is very low compared to the cost of running a dealership or having all the people that normally walk customers through a transaction. Um, so all we would ask is that she tells that story, that it was that easy, uh, and we think that that'll work out in the long run for us. But they found where we live, and they dropped the car there. I mean, to me, that was like one of the great I – mean, maybe this is the way of the future because we were like, wow, they really did it. 
Yeah, well, so I think um, yeah, I think what our business is all about is about building an interface where a customer can go through and buy a car on their own simply, um, saving all the money that comes along with that and passing those savings on to the customer, and then building a completely different supply chain that enables us to drop the car off at your door, um, as we did in this case. Um, but then obviously when, when a customer is buying something that costs twenty or $30,000 and you know, they're doing it sight unseen, we need to make sure that they have the opportunity to return it back to us if it doesn't end up fitting their life perfectly. And so that's part of the model, and that's all built into the math, as painful as it may be. But I did feel like that. Well, I mean, don't the other, aren't the other guys going to catch on? I mean, the other dealers. This is such a great feature. I, aren't you afraid that they're going to come in under you or do something like this and make it so you're not a special? Uh, well, I, I think. Um Something we've tried to do from the beginning is just think about our customers, what our customers need, um, build the solutions uh, that our customers uh, are seeking, and then worry a little bit less about what the competition is doing. There's 40,000 dealers in this market, and I think as long as we stay really focused on our customers, we're going to stay ahead of the curve. Um, And so far, that's what we've done for the last seven years, and I think that'll be our goal forward from here as well. And you, with the $600 million raise that you did, I shouldn't be worried that you'll run out of money if this thing lasts forever, this pandemic. Well, as long as Lisa doesn't keep returning those cars, we should be okay. So please, please, as I said, tell her she owes us a couple hundred bucks. She, she, your guys didn't know who I was, believe me. She has a different name for me. Anyway, Ernie Garcia, the third chairman CEO of Carvana. Thank you for so much for coming on. Great business model, sir. Terrific. Thank you. All right. Appreciate there's it. a wild one. I mean, if, you, if you're getting bullish, there might be a good one to buy. Man, money's back into the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skig? Dad, come to the lightning round. Come to the Rob. In Connecticut, Rob. Hey, Jim. How are we doing, Jim? Doing good, Rob. How about you? Big booyah from Connecticut, Jim. Big booyah. Love it. Hey, I got to tell you, 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 you pick us up every day. You know, this, this the way the world's going, and we've been down and out and down and out. Yeah, we get down, too. Don't worry. One of my buddies, Mike, called me this morning and said, Jim, you're looking a little tired. Oh, boy, that hurt. I'm back. I'm back. Well, I'll tell you what. We want you. We, you, you just bring us right up. You bring us back to life. Thank dude. you, I, man. Thank you. I needed that. This is it's lonely. My wife left the like, first week of March. She got out of Dodge. I'm over there by myself reading books. What's going on? Hey, can you let me just know about TSM? I been, you know, TSM reports tonight. I think it's going to be okay. But remember, that's in that cohort of uh, of semis that I like to think includes Nvidia and AMD. But AMD and Nvidia are better. Bring it, bring it. There's like no humans anymore. It's like I'm talking to a machine. Actually, there's a person behind that. Let's go to James in Florida. James. Yo, booyah, Jim. How's it going? Good. How about you? Doing great, man. First of all, I want to say God bless to all the healthcare professionals out here, man. Absolutely, man. They're struggling. We're with you. All right. Listen, um, hey, your producers are awesome, by the way. They are? <laughs> um, you know, some of AMRN. That's- oh, that thing is crazy. Uh, you know, it is... Uh, look, I, 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 I'm not going. I mean, that has been too much of a dice roll. Every time I say I want to like it, it goes down. So we're going to, if I say I hate it, probably goes up. Let's go to Maurice in New Jersey. Some people call me Maurice. What's up, Maurice? Maurice. Maurice is speaking with the pompous of love. Hi, Maurice. I'm here. I'm hey, here. Hello, Maurice. What's up? Hey, how are you doing? Um, I have a question for you about 
if I was going to take a stock and buy a stock that's been beaten down like crazy, like Norwegian Cruise Line. All right, now let's be honest about Norwegian Cruise Line. I happen to like cruise. I do. I like I, I like a cruise. Uh, so does my wife. But the problem is, is that now it's become a public health issue. And it's a public health issue in the time of, of, of the coronavirus. I have to say sell. Okay, period. Let's go to Lee in Texas. Lee! Yeah. Yes. Yaks. Boy, I haven't looked at Yaks in a bit. And my feeling on Yaks is we had Mr. Lerman on. I thought he told a very good story. What is that stock doing at 11? I want to buy that stock. I think Lerman's good. Let's go to Lucas in Florida. Lucas. Mr. Kramer, best wishes from sunny Florida. What are your thoughts on Cytosorbents, ticker CTSO, being... I do not know Cytosorbents. Um, I'm going to have to do some homework on Cytosorbents. It's beyond my ken. Let's go to Shane in North Dakota. Shane! I do that every time. Booyah, Jim. How are you doing today? Well, you know, it's another very long day, but that's all right. It's just getting started. We'll do some work tonight. What's going on? All right. Hey, calling from the heart of the Bach and wondering what you're thinking about Continental Resources. Oh, boy. You know, look, it should bounce a little, but I've got to tell you, uh, I, I, there's a chance that oil could go down to 15, and that, that's not the stock you want. And by the way, I particularly don't want people out of the master limited partnerships. They are all, uh, they are valued traps. Please don't get hurt. How about we go to Johnny in Texas? Johnny! Booyah, Professor Kramer. Yes. Johnny from Dallas, Texas. Okay. Hey, my my mom and dad, we always watch your show at night, so thank you so much for everything you do. Oh, that's and I wanted to get your thoughts on Workday. Got an upgrade WDA. yesterday from work on Workday, and I read it, and I thought that it was good, not great. I still think that these deals, big deals, I keep thinking about how when you do a big deal, you got to shake hands. And big deal, you got to look person in the eye. You can't zoom a big deal, but but Anil Bushri's pretty good. I just worry about the gigantic deals in the time of COVID and what it means for to try to give a guy a million bucks or 10 million bucks, but not see it looking right in the eye. It's just my view. Let's go to Ralph in Georgia. Ralph. Booyah, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Ralph. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I have a quick question for you. So um, I have a quick I recently bought um, into a company that has some pretty good liquidity for the near future, but in terms of their foreseeable future, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. That's Store Capital Corp. What is your future? Uh, I'm not going to be a landlord of anything, of anything. I don't even want to be a landlord of the place that I own. I mean, people just are saying, hey, you know what? Hey, sorry, missing the payment. I've never seen anything like it, but I understand there's a lot of trouble out there. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. How the hell did the public health become so political here? How did I become the poster boy for the forever shelter crowd? The guy who wears a rubber suit, according to a guest on Squirrel Box this morning? Listen, there's nothing political about my stance. When it comes to reopening the economy, I think we just got to take things on a case-by-case basis, or in this case, state-by-state. If your state's riddled with illness, your governor should keep it tight as a drum. That's how I feel about my current home state, New Jersey, where the virus feels out of hand, although apparently we had a good day today. 
if things are getting better, if your state's flattening the curve, then I think you can start gradually letting some businesses open, as long as everybody wears a mask, because New York just mandated, and we stay out of each other's personal space. In many states, doctors' offices and dentists haven't been able to operate. That's crazy. Let them open. They know how to wear masks. What else? Contractors know about masks. Before COVID-19, they were the biggest consumers of N95s. We've had a huge amount of work delayed. If your state's got to handle the outbreak, come on, go for it. Let the contractors work. Get some, get some food on the table. Finally, there's states like Washington, which has flattened the curve to the point where April's actually an improvement over March. I think Washington start going back to normal. Virus starts surging again. They know how to stamp it out. Of course, everyone should keep wearing masks and doing physical distancing to stay safe. But in a successful state like Washington, you know what? I think at this point it should be up to the individual. For most of the country, though, we need to do more preparation before we reopen. If we lift the lockdowns too soon and the virus comes back, we're going to have to go through this quarantine again. I'd like to avoid that. What would make me even more aggressive about opening our country for business than many people are? First, there's the antibody test that Abbott Labs announced today. They'll soon have the capacity to make millions of these things. We can tell who's already been exposed. Because if you're already exposed, you're probably, we're not sure, but probably immune, at least for some period of time. Maybe not for two, three years, but for some period of time. If you already had it and you're immune, I say hallelujah. The government should give you a get-out-of-quarantine-free card. You must be the vanguard. Not can, but must be the vanguard of our return. We need you. We need testing for everyone. That's how we get a hand on this thing. Second, I want more of the places that are still open to be like Costco. They tell you what physical distancing is and ask you to comply. I want that in restaurants and retailers, even though I know it's not ideal, especially for smaller stores that don't have much room. But better than another big outbreak that forces us to shut down the economy again, get stores and restaurants open. Just enforce the physical. Do it now. Finally, the only way to beat this disease for good is a vaccine, one that prevents you from getting symptoms and, more importantly, prevents you from being a carrier. Unfortunately, many of the experts I talked to say that's just not even a possibility. Others say it might take three to five years. That would be devastating. But as for me, I'm an optimist on the vaccine front. That's right. After listening to yesterday's Johnson Johnson conference call, I came away convinced that they have something compelling up their sleeves, something that will make you wish that you owned a travel and leisure stock here. Maybe go buy a Disney tomorrow, a Visa, a MasterCard downgraded today. I thought wrong. I suspect they can get started with human tests very soon. Of course, vaccines take a very long time, but we'll get there. J&J's experienced that. They're way ahead of everybody else. I trust them. So, yes, COVID-19 has been a tough opponent vicious one. I'm still very worried about it. We're already up to 28,000 deaths in this official count. Amazing, given the fact that no one had died at the end of last year. But this virus is not invincible, people. And when we do beat it, you'll wish you owned some stocks, especially ones that are currently toxic to your portfolio. And if we crush COVID, you come by Bar San Miguel. You know why? I'll be able to fit more than 10 people than I can estimate I can get in there now. We're going to have a celebratory Corona Extra together. Stip. market after the close alphabet said they're slowing hiring now what does that mean in another time i would have absolutely hated that and i would have said oh i can't believe they're still spending like a drunken sailor hiring people maybe they're showing some discipline which would then allow them to do better i still regard alphabet google as a good stay at home stock but i'm actually heartened that they're not just hiring their darn fool heads off because that seems to be what they've been doing for the last i don't know uh decade. Got to think like that. Uh, also, after the close, remember Costco boosted the dividend. I thought that was a very good sign. I still like the stock. I like to say this very, always a bull market somewhere. I'm sorry to find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Markets in turmoil. Hosted by my friend Scott Wobner begins right now.